Welcome to the Recruiting Stories Podcast, where we celebrate recruiting by exploring the stories of leaders and top performers by digging into their stories and understanding how recruiting has impacted their journey and their success. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of the Recruiting Stories Podcast. Uh, thrilled that we've got Ben Graff. Is there a great Ben Graff? Is that how you say it? Ben Graff. Ben Graff. Ben Graff, COO of Freight Plus. Um, he's also has 10 years at Amazon, um, and he's a, uh, a Harvard grad, uh, played college football there. So welcome, Ben. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah, great, great to be here. <laughs> We're excited to have him. Obviously, um, you know, my company's called Cover 3 Consulting. You know, uh, shout out to uh, to my football playing days, and, and um, you know, I've got my reasons for that. But always good to have someone who's played ball. And also in the transportation industry, so I think that's great. Ben, tell us a little bit about um, what what you do at Freight Plus, um, and a little bit of your background, real fast. Yeah, of course. So, um, like you said, I'm, I'm the COO, Chief Operating Officer here at Freight Plus. Uh, been been with the company for about a year and a half, but actually feels like been with the company for longer than that because uh, our, my best friend and CEO Steve Aborn, he's he's also a Harvard football guy, played tight end. Um, we we sort of we're best friends in college. And then I, I, I graduated the year before he did, went out to Amazon as part of the retail undergraduate program. Um, and then he came a year later and was with Amazon for about three years. Um, and then he came back and, and took over what is now Freight Plus, but uh, it was actually Aborn and Company to start. They started as a freight um, and logistics consulting firm coming out of deregulation. Uh, and it was, it was actually Steve's uncle, uh, Russ Aborn, and then our, our other co-founder and president, Joe Clifford, they were, they ran Aborn and Company. They would go into Fortune 500 all the way to middle market and basically do full end-to-end uh, logistics and freight consulting. They would look at contracts, they would look at uh, operational efficiencies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then Steve, you know, Russ Aborn was looking to, to basically sell the book of business. And Steve said, whoa, 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 I want to have an entrepreneurial bet. And yeah. I want to I want to dip my toe into into the freight world. And so Steve came here in 2015. I stayed at Amazon. I, I was in Amazon retail for about four years. Um, started in video games, sort of a perfect place to start right out of college. Um, really got to know all of the different e-commerce roles at Amazon. So it was in vendor management, inventory management, uh, marketing, et cetera, for four years there. Then moved into product development when Amazon bought Twitch TV. Um, and I helped launch the first Prime benefit for video game customers. Um, and then I joined the Amazon Prime group and focused on global retention for three years. And then the, the last three years of my career at Amazon, I was with Amazon Shipping and Amazon Freight. So we were building a small parcel carrier as well as uh, a freight carrier uh, using Amazon's uh, assets and fulfillment footprint. And then Steve and Jill, you know, as the, as the pandemic hit, Steve and Jill had, had built a, a nice consulting business. But I think what they had found is as they went into went into a lot of the mid, these middle market firms uh, and were making big recommendations and, and sort of asking them to make systemic changes with their transportation programs, uh, they were finding that either the, the companies didn't have the capital or the right focus to actually implement what they had recommended. And then they said, hey, what if we turn this thing on its head and, and we started to become the transportation arms for all these companies? We'll do all the technical integrations. We'll build the tech stack. We become you know, very boutique plug and play to the customer. Um, 
and then we take on all of their freight on their behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, they they pivoted that in about 2020, and then ever since then, we've sort of we've seen expl- explosive growth. We were just uh, recently named the fastest growing company in Mass by the Boston Business Journal. So. Um, Steve and Jill called me and said, Hey, we, you know, we're building a, you, have, you have experience in freight, you have experience in technology, you have experience leading big teams. Oh, by the way, you're, you're my best friend. Um, do you want to come help us uh, run and, and, and grow this thing? And so I came out here in 2021 and, and did some due diligence, met with the team, and then uh, took the plunge in early 2022. So, That's long way awesome. answer to like what we do, what Freight Plus is, and, and what I do. But. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. I, I have obviously heard Freight Plus and then um, great things there. And, and and Steve and Jill, I did not know um, Steve was a, was a Harvard uh, football guy too. So that's cool. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, I wanna lo- I'm going to go back to that here in a bit. Um, knowing you're a football guy, I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions here because we're like on the cusp of camp season. That's and, right. Yeah. Uh, we got our first Hall of Fame NFL preseason game this week. So, I'm excited about that. I'm so. from Canton, Ohio. Right. Uh, yeah. So, the so you've been to one of those, huh? That was the kickoff of the whole yeah, thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. I bet I bet uh, that would be a cool – it's on my bucket list to, to go to, to Canton. So, yeah. All right. Rapid-fire rapid question. Favorite, favorite pro team then? Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Favorite college team? Ohio State Buckeyes. I saw that one coming. <laughs> Super Bowl prediction. Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs. I'm almost, I, 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 no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go Bengals, Eagles. And I'm going to say the Eagles are going to win. Eagles are going to put it together and win. There you go. Yeah, it's like Chiefs, Bengals, maybe Bills, and then there's like Eagles, maybe 49ers, I feel like. so. Yeah, yeah. The NFC is a lot. It feels like the NFC is a lot weaker than the NFC. Yeah. I feel like Eagles are a safe bet if they're anything like they were last year. So, yeah. College football prediction. I got. I mean, Buckeyes. Buckeyes are probably not. Buckeyes blew it last year. I, I'm still not over that Georgia game from last year. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm gonna say Bama. I'm gonna say Bama. Bama okay. win, wins it this year. Saving right. Saving doesn't take many years off. Bama. Bama comes back. All right. I like it. That's uh, yeah. That's like I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. Like Bama's in it about eighty yeah. percent of the time. So fair. Yale Harvard prediction. Who wins? Uh, we have two Harvard football interns. I gotta go. I gotta go Harvard. Uh, we, we, when, when we were there, we never lost to Yale. We were five and zero against Yale, and we haven't beaten Yale in a couple of years. So the guys are gonna get it together. All right, there you go. Go time. Good. Good. <laughs> well, cool. No, that's uh, that's always always good. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm definitely excited for the uh, for the season here. So, okay, who's, let's, who's your what, what, where where what are your leaders like? You know, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm from Missouri, so I have to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Like my family's Chiefs, and I tell people all the time, like I was a really quiet Chiefs fan for a lot of years. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, once Andy Reid showed up, it was like eh, it's a little bit easier to start uh, rooting for the Chiefs. And now, you know, we got Mahomes. I'm trying not to enjoy it too much. Like I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, well, you you would just say that, but like I was, I was in, I moved to Seattle. I'd sort of like early bandwagon. It was pre, it was pre the Legion of Boom, but like you know they had Marshawn Lynch, and then the first year they made the playoffs. Second year they made the NFC Championship, and it was like it seemed like Seattle, you know, with Russ and all that de- that defense, like Seattle was going to be the next dynasty. And then yeah. 
then they sort of got broken by the Patriots and then they haven't, they haven't been back. So I would say enjoy it. Like sort of go all in when you, when you got it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. That's what they talk about. Like the, the, the Super Bowl window is closing. Yeah. But yeah, they were a fun team to watch, man. I thought, I really thought that they would win. I mean, at least a couple, two or three uh, Super Bowls. So yeah, that defense was incredible. So yeah, if you like, if you're a safety, you like safety play like, Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas. Now, so was really so not a lot better than missile guys. <laughs> oh, man. Those were those guys were fun. Yeah, I mean, it was like them. We were spoiled for a while. We had Ed Reed, um, yeah, uh, with the uh, with the Ravens. You had Palomalu Steelers, and then you had those guys right on their heels. I mean, it was it was good times. So I'm trying to even like think who the equivalents of that would be in today's game, and I don't even know if I could. Maybe I'm just out of touch. I don't know. Well, and just like safeties have changed. So, I mean, they, um, who's the, the Seahawks guy who's paid a bunch of money? He's on the Jets. Uh, his name is Gabe. Uh, yeah, I know. Too. I know you're talking about, and I can't think of it either. Oh, um, Adams. What's his name? Jamal Adams. Uh, Jamal, yeah, Jamal. Yeah, he's been hurt. Um, but, yeah, just the, the the safety position is just so much different. You know, like the, the Cam, Ch- I don't even think Cam Chancellor could play anymore. And today's like uh, being a hard hitting, hitting sort of. Yeah, he'd be fined every time. week. Like he wouldn't. Yeah, they'd run out of money because they just find him every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's de- definitely a different game. I mean, as much as they throw it around, um, I mean, obviously, like they're talking about running backs not getting paid because uh, it's a different game for them. Yeah. Well, and they're shuffling. Yeah, these guys shuffling. It's like five years. Right. Right. They're like, well, we'd rather just bring a rookie in, just yeah. him uh, for a couple thousand yards, just recycle him, go, go get a new one. <laughs> yeah. It, it says something when you've got like all these guys, Zeke and Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook, pro bowlers, like multiple years, thousand Probably years. all, yeah, like some of those guys are all famous. Yeah. Yeah, they're just sitting on the sideline, just like eh, yeah. we can play football without them. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a it's a tough world. So, well, cool. Well, okay. Tell me, a little, let's go back to your background a little bit. I want to talk about your recruiting story. You know, obviously, that you know, uh, my world is is recruiting and transportation. Mm. It's always interesting to me, you know, um, how people got into the transportation world, right? So, did you, um, you know, did you know that you were going to get into transportation, like? from high school or was that something that while at Harvard, you were like economics got me interested or did Amazon create that interest for you in transportation supply chain? Yeah. I, mean, I, I think Amazon was the big, was the big first domino to fall. And it was sort of like going like the path, like the typical path out of Harvard was you either went to like one of the big three consultant firms or you went into some sort of finance, private equity, investment bank, whatever. Um, and I did a couple of finance internships while I was there. It was like the finance route doesn't really seem the right like the path that I was going. So I was probably going to go down the consulting route. Um, and Amazon, it was the first year they were ever recruiting students on campus. And I like, applied to them on like a, on a whim. Um, and they flew us out. We did this whole big immersive day. Did like a day in the life of what we, they called us brand managers at the time. Um, and honestly, like the guys were wearing flannels and beards and talking about college football. And I was like, wow, this is like a pretty <laughs> rad place to, 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 to go work. And then um, 
And then you realize once you get into Amazon, like they're, they're a massive tech company now. Back then, they were they were basically a logistics company. They, they figured they figured out how to do e-commerce uh, super well, and they're like they had, they had initially had someone coming from Walmart, and that, that's how they had set up their entire fulfillment network. And then realized very quickly that like that that Walmart fulfillment network wasn't going to work from from an economic standpoint for for e-commerce, and then. Jeff Wilkie, who was the supply chain guy, went to MIT. He was the one that totally revolutionized Amazon fulfillment. Um, and so, with that, it's like any, regardless of, you know, I, I said I was in multiple teams while, while I was there, but every team you're sort of ending with logistics, uh, B2C, e commerce, um, regardless of where, where you end up at Amazon. So, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon Prime, the number one benefit, even though Amazon Prime has a bunch of benefits now. The number one benefit by far is still two-day shipping, and so you have to be really, really tight to guaranteed delivery dates and understanding. You know, we, we even we even did like a web lab to understand the the, the uh, magnitude of the word guaranteed when we did a guaranteed delivery date versus just delivery date, mm-hmm. and the 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 dollar conversion was in the billion dollars. So we lost we lost conversion on the detail page, uh, upwards of a billion dollars if you extrapolate. So I always found that to be super interesting. I, like I, I really like the 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 real life nature of like moving things around the world and how things get from and and this is probably back to like you know economics background of like the invisible hand and how the hell do I you know does a cup on my on my desk in Marshfield, Massachusetts happen? You know how does it get there and now and all the raw materials that need to happen into manufacturing and then down to the consumer. So. Um, Amazon really is what sparked that 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 interest, um, and then I think you know, same thing for Steve is hey let's go work for the, the fastest growing technology logistics company in the world yep. um, is a great place to be from. And then honestly, I wanted to I wanted to see if I could if I could cut it outside of Amazon. I think it was always yeah. could always play the path of twenty year career at Amazon is a great time, great career. But I always wanted to see if I could if I could do it outside. So that's sort of what led me into freight plus. Yeah. Yeah. There sounds like obviously there's that entrepreneurial bent to like, Hey, can, can we do something separate from the, the bigger organization? Yep. Was there, was there like a similar type of draw? Just curious, like connecting some things here, like for you, um, both of those, I think of, I think of Harvard and, and playing football there. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a hard place to get into. Um, but it's probably a hard road. I mean, it's, it's, it's different, you know, than, the the local community college um not there's anything wrong with that right but just uh it's that's different that's a challenge what what drew you to harvard was there a specific coach or recruiter or um experience that made you say man that's real where i want to go yeah i mean so tim murphy's been the head coach of harvard i think since 95 um and his whole his whole like mantra when we were there is he wanted blue collar folks um and what he did, you know, and, and a lot of that was like I'm a second generation college kid. My parents both were, were German and Irish immigrants, grandparents rather. Um, and so it was a lot of finding kids that had that sort of background of just like nothing's on a platter. You want to work super hard. Yes, you're going to the Harvard, the greatest institution in, in, the, in the world, but the mentality and, and sort of the blue collar grit is what I think Murph recruited uh, for. Yeah. And right. so that was like really apparent when I, you know, went on official visits there versus somewhere like a Princeton at the time, um, or even some like the Mac schools. It just seemed like kids were going there, 
they wanted to get a full ride. There wasn't a ton of like uh, camaraderie and and uh, sort of homogeneity in and like how people were approaching football. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was a lot of the reason why I like. And, it, and again, because he was looking at a lot of Midwest kids, and it wasn't just kids from specific parts of the country; it was kids from sort of all over. Um, I felt at home kind of like almost immediately. Not so much in Harvard. I, I don't know if I ever felt at home at Harvard because there's yeah, a lot of like imposter syndrome, and you're dealing with you know astrophysicists and some really smart people there. But um, but in terms of the football team, like the first day of the football team, uh, it was it was always just sort of the same mindset: work really hard, be yeah. committed to a singular goal, um, and go in the Ivy League. That was that was the that was the target. So I think it was like. You asked who, what, what was, was it? Was there a per, it was, it was basically Coach Murphy plus then a lot of the guys that I met when I was on campus and then the, um, you know, the guys as part of my recruiting class and even, and even you know, who, I'm, who I'm friends with nowadays, just you know, all, all of my best friends are a Harvard guys. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like, you know, the leadership, kind of the vision that, uh, you know, coach presented to you as well as the actual people there and then just the culture. Um, that that he created uh, w- was attractive, which you know you see that at good football programs, good good companies. Like yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you're, you're right. It's like it's like the leader sets the vision, and then and then you start to talk to the people that are bought into it. Like that is the vision. That is the vision alive? And that's where I think uh, it, it definitely was there. And it was, I would say, up until time, it was like that at Amazon as well. Just like a, a super hardworking, you know, like. Work hard, have fun, make history was Amazon's mantra back in the day. And, um, and like I said, I was able to see myself and the guys that were leading <laughs> big beards, like having a beer, yeah. wanted to work super hard and, and deliver really uh, cool and new things. Um, and so that, that attracted me to Amazon when, when compared to some of the other opportunities that I was looking at. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So I guess then translate that to where you are now. Have you been able to take some of that? Um, some of that experience and like download that into freight plus um, maybe what have you done? What do you want to do there as far as how you recruit or the culture that you're either creating over there? Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of like the, uh, I, obviously 10 years in Amazon, a lot's going to sink in, you know? Um, and so I think one of the brilliance of Jeff, like probably the most brilliant aspect of Jeff, Jeff Bezos is he was able to take a bunch of different aspects of different cultures, whether it was uh, Walmart, whether it was Intel, whether it was Google, and he was able to weave them. It was, it, none of them were unique ideas, but then with, with the way that they were weaved together was like uniquely Amazon. Um, and so in terms of where we've like some of the things that, that uh, we've implemented here that, that were really effective there is like our, our leadership principles, which basically act as like the true North for employees. It's our organizational DNA. It's what we you know, anytime a, a, a employee wants to understand what they should be doing, it's like they have their bill of rights right in front of them. Yeah, everyone has a laminated form on this table right here. It's like this is our, this is our, our core DNA. Yeah. Um, then I think the other piece is just like mechanism, like like mechanisms, and what we what we mean by mechanisms is not just um, like Bezos always talked about good intentions and why mechanisms work and good intentions don't because. You know, you can ask a team to try harder, but uh, and and to 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 do do better. But they were already trying to work hard, and they were already trying to do better. 
And so, and what mechanisms are is you got to be able to uh, identify a problem, measure that problem, and then audit that uh, audit for what you're trying to fix. And if you do that, you then can you can you can catch things much more more easily. So we've implemented mechanisms here, whether it's our our daily business review where we review our operational audit report and are looking at at loads on a on a day-to-day basis and on a, on a status-by-status basis to catch them before they get in trouble. Um, all the way to our weekly business review, quarterly business review, that sort of is our structure. Um, and then I think the other thing about the culture that we've absorbed that is, you know, is from Steve and from Jill, um, I think it's, again, that grit. Like Jill Jill didn't go to college. Jill's now the co-founder of the fastest-growing company in Massachusetts and yeah. has been in freight for 30 years and is like one of the grittiest people I know. And mm-hmm. she loves it. She's super curious and asks a ton of questions. Um, and then I think the other one is just like going back to that blue-collar sort of college athlete mentality. We find that um, in freight and in a fast-paced environment, like college athletes perform super well because of the fact that they have had, like you were talking about, they've had to be able to time management, be able to prioritize, you know, oh, I got football practice and I got a big exam or I got five big exams. How do I then balance all of those things and, and freight and, and manage transportation? That, that, that skill set is super, super applicable. Yeah, that's so good. I, I mean, I, I remember um, an interview that I had back in the day, kind of on that, that same idea of kind of grittiness and kind of the, you know, why, why people are interested in student athletes. And they asked me like, if I've ever um, had to perform in a pressure situation before. And I sort of laughed and <laughs> I was like, you know, I've been, you know, playing man to man coverage one-on-one <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. in front of thousands of people in front of guys. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I either, I either stonewall this guy or he beats me over the top for a touchdown. And uh, you know, you know, that's, that's pressure. And, you know, there's most of the time I felt like I did all right, but there's moments where I got beat and, you know, yeah, you have to go back and watch the film. And um, if you can do that, you know, great. That's you, you just kind of learn that like, Hey, I'm not going to win every single time. But when I lose, I gotta, I gotta learn and get back on the horse and um, you know, I- improve and, and, you know, not, not, not live where I lost essentially. So um, yeah. I love yeah. that attitude. That's great. That's super cool. Tell me a l- little bit about, um, and where you guys are going. I mean, obviously it sounds like, Hey, we, we focus on managed transportation. We do a lot of consulting for, for our client base. What's uh, tell me what, what freight plus um, kind of the heartbeat of where you guys are going, what differentiates you guys? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think it's probably two, it's two or threefold. I think the first is, is like our, our, our ideal customer profile is, is just different than a lot of the other managed transportation. In, in the industry, so we want to bring like a Fortune 500 transportation and Amazon level transportation solution to the middle market, um, and then also heavily focused on food and beverage. So food and beverage is difficult freight, high claims. You know, you you you're refrigerated, reefer, cold chain, all of that, um, all of those dynamics. And so uh, we've really cut our teeth and and helping family-owned, multi-generational food and beverage companies um, basically like revolutionize their transportation um, programs. And so uh, I would say first and foremost, it's like who we're trying to help and who our mission is. Like we, we want to go after the folks that, you know, maybe can't even get the attention of, of like a C.H. Robinson or a Transplace. Um, 
Second, I think is is uh, is generally like our, our approach to to the industry. So I think we're 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 always battling against a lot of scar tissue uh, between you know you sort of have three individuals uh, that that are three different entities that operate in freight. You have you know the traditional broker, you have the shipper, and then you have the carriers. And there's a bunch of distrust amongst all three of those. And so one of our core like foundational principles is like trust and transparency and so like when when we can be the best is when we're bringing both the shipper and the carrier together and we're acting and we're creating partnership we're creating long-term value for both of them like steve always talks about you know we aborn company has been around we, we say we're like a 30 year old startup because um we, we still have clients that we were, were with jill and, and russ way back in the day uh 30 years ago and so mm-hmm. It's all about building those long-term relationships on both the, the shipper side as well as the carrier side. So then the carriers know they can trust the freight that, that we're bringing to them, and then that then leads to, you know, beneficial benefits from the from the customer standpoint because we're lowering cost structure for everyone involved, um, and then you know we're we're rebuilding and continuing to build that trust. And then I think the last one is just like the data centricity that I was talking about. So really operationalizing data. That's like what I think Amazon is absolutely excellent about. Like I was talking about those me- mechanisms earlier and, and measuring each stage gate and each, each time, you know, an order is handed off throughout your order management cycle is a time where a customer could be handed off or could be let down or could be ignored. Um, and so deeply understanding every aspect of our customer's order management cycle as well as how we operate freight and then measuring it to improve it um, is something that we we think about and we instrument about every single day. So a lot of like our technology investment is in instrumenting and understanding all the different movements of freight, uh, both internally and then, and, then, and then our customers. I think what we've continued to as we brought on new customers, they challenge us and ask us to solve different problems. And what we find is that we solve for one customer, we can oft- often expand that solution to to our entire client base. Yeah, I love that you guys have nailed down your client base, right? You, you know that your target market, um, and, and that has to be, um, I think, helpful for your team to know like, hey, this is who we help. This is who we serve. This is who we are. Um, but then also, um, you know, the depth of... You know, hey, the the processes that you talked about, just the word, the phrase that keeps coming to my head as you talk through that is cost savings. And I'm like, man, in, in the market we're in, like cost savings has to be like everybody, everybody wants it um, or needs it, um, whether they they think they want it or not. Um, talk about that a little bit, the market that we're in, right? We're, we're seeing you know, yellow, you know, obviously ceased operations. Um, you know, we've seen some other, you know, organizations, um, go bankrupt, it, you know, obviously to, you know, lose capacity. There's, there's different things hitting uh, the market uh, right now. How do you guys, um, at, you know, attack this market or serve your clients? Um, and maybe what do you see that the, the next six months looking like? Do you have a prediction at all? I know that's probably a yeah, broad. Yeah. I think, you know, you know, historically the, the freight market operates in like 18 to 24 month cycles. Um, I think we're at the trough of the spot market. I think with outbound tender rejection rates are starting to flatline. And so I think you're like, we're probably at the bottom of, of like the spot recession. And, you know, you're, you're, we're continuing to see, I think it was last week, like our last month, like contract rates decline by another 5%. Um, and so we'll, 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 
we'll get to that inflection point probably at the end of this year, if, if not early into next, where we're spotting contract, we'll get back to, to sort of their historical spreads. Um, but in terms of, I think what we talk to our clients a lot about is kind of every, everyday competitive prices. So uh, if you want to use the Amazon and the Walmart adages, you walk into a Walmart, you're not really going to be price shopping on, the, are these paper towels well-priced? It's like, yes, they are, because I know at Walmart has everyday low prices. And so what we really want to do, and what we find a lot of times, especially in, in our, our ICP, is that customers are really just riding the spot roller coaster. So you know, they're riding it when the market's coming down, they're, they're feeling good, they're, they're getting great rates, and then as, the, as, as capacity tightens, then... Um, then their transportation costs sort of get like way overshoot, and, and because they're having to ride the spot market back up. And so, our head of uh, our head of pricing, Dan Burke, he actually talks a lot about like the spot market being the Appalachian Trail being super spiky versus yeah. the, versus the contract market and it being like a Midwest neighborhood. And so, it's all about you know price competitiveness. So making sure that customers are getting the right like getting the, the what they perceive as a competitive price. Um, but then also talking about price stability because a lot of what we offer with managed transportation is we allow customers to like really start to plan their transportation costs into their pricing decisions for their SKUs. So whether it's a case of beer or whether it's a, you know, a bag of sugar, they're able to actually, because they're not having to see a, a transportation budget go, uh, you know, be a big sign curve, they're then just, they're, they're then able to start planning for transportation as a, as almost a fixed cost. And right. a lot less of a variable cost, which allows them to make much better pricing and finance decisions down the road. So I think that's where, you know, you asked like where, so six months, I think we're probably going to see um, capacity tighten in the spot market. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think you're going to continue to see just as, as carriers have over the last, over the last period of, of, of very um, low spot rates, they, they preferred contract freight. And I think from the shipper standpoint, um, as the market tightens, it's good to have those long-term carrier relationships and carriers that understand your freight and have been running your freight. And, and then that's, that's how we put this price stability concept in, into action is take advantage of spot where, where we can, but really um, build out long-term carrier partnerships and relationships to so, so customers are, are, you know, it's kind of like investing in a mutual fund. They're not, they're not ever getting the high highs or the yeah, from obviously just from a business standpoint, the ability to forecast and plan uh, is is essential. I mean, I mean, yeah. obviously, it would be great great to save save some money here and there, or you know, um, in a tough market. But you know, being able to to kind of know where you're at and, and what you're going to be able to make, I think, is uh, is good. So. Well, and, and part of that's also just like helping our customers understand where they're like inadvertently like creating cost in their rates. So right. lots of people want to look at the DAT national average and want to say, okay, like, you know, this isn't competitive, but really it's like, well, that was the same day ad with a 9 p.m. appointment. And, you know, you're asking me to drive out to Topeka, Kansas. Like all of those factors are influencing your rate more so than, you know, broker X, Y, or Z going and beating up the carrier. And so it's yeah. helping educate. And that's, again, where I think managed trans is much different than, than transactional is, we're educating them and like what actually influences influences their cost. Yeah, I think that that idea of the, the education and creating the relationship um, is essential, and and obviously where it's going to benefit them. So that's that's very good, well said. 
I want to be respectful of your time here as we kind of wrap up here. So as we yep. think about, um, you know, I want to kind of go back to your, your kind of career and, and we're a couple of questions I asked uh, at the end here. Um, one is looking back, right. Um, COO freight plus, um, fastest growing startup, uh, in Boston or, or company in, in Boston. And fastest, yeah, fastest privately owned company in Massachusetts. Okay. What advice would you give your 20 year, 20 year old self? Um, I think it's, I think it's, don't be so, don't, don't put so much of your identity into football. I think I, I, I talked to you right before we started recording, yeah. but blew out my knee and, and sort of had an existential crisis in terms of what to do. But yeah. I think, um, I think I would, I would encourage similar to when I was 20 years old is like, go, go after the thing that's, that that's a little bit scary and, and, and not the, not the, not just the, the the path that everyone else is taking, especially your peer group. So I think, you know, I had people say you went to you know, this is Amazon was still a bookseller, but they were like, you went to Harvard to go work for Amazon, um, and and that to me was like a little bit of a, it was annoying getting that to get at the time getting getting kind of chirped about that, but um, but ultimately that was the best decision I ever made. In terms of like, I didn't know Amazon would grow to where they were, but I but I really wanted to find. I wanted to be around people that I could look up to and people that I admired. And um, through that recruiting process, saw a lot of folks that I could see myself becoming. And that was um, mm. that was really really important to me. I love what you said there uh, at the end. Um, I could see a lot of people that I could see myself becoming. Um, that's one of the things I one of the pieces of advice I give people um, when I when they are interviewing at a place is. Could you see yourself in the position of the person who is interviewing you or uh, above you somewhere? And, and if not, you know, think about that. But um, I think that's so good. And and then the, the piece about putting your identity in football, I can obviously relate to. We, we did talk about that <laughs> offline. And I, I mean, I, I echo that for anybody just on, on any role. I had a really great boss one time say, hey, man, we're all replaceable. It doesn't matter if you're. Yeah or your, you know, entry-level operations person. And he's like, sooner you realize that, I think the, the happier you'll be because you'll put your identity in something bigger um, and right. about what that is, you know. Um, and uh, that's that's been a helpful process and journey for me too. So that's good. Um, what about books? Any books that you've read over your career that have been helpful, shaped your journey or um, that you would recommend to other people? Um, well, yeah, I, 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 everyone at Freight Plus will laugh at this one but um good to great by jim collins is 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 an old one but a great one i think the the concept of a flywheel is something amazon and and bezos used that became fundamental to how they organize and have value to customers i think we've done the same uh here at freight plus and then uh the obstacle is the way just sort of uh, a summary of marcus aurelius and stoicism and Mm -hmm. how do you handle adversity and don't be too high don't be too low and sort of just persevere. Those are those are two that uh, immediately come to mind. Uh, right now, like we're reading a book called The Messy Middle. It's talking mm-hmm. about like you know building through. You're, you're, I think in, in a fast growing startup environment, it can be very. Uh, you, it can feel like there's always so much work to be done, and that you might right. not be making incremental progress. But then it's good to have perspective in terms of like looking back. So, you know, I just moved to Boston a year ago to think about like where we were a year ago to where we are now. It's, it's remarkable. So I think those are probably three that 
all different various portions of my career that I've been able to relate to. Good. No, that's helpful. I'll put those all in the show notes. Um, good to great. Obviously, that's a, that's a awesome one. I, I've recommended this one before on the podcast, but uh, it's a follow-up to that one called Great by Choice. And mm. um, it's a there's a couple things that have like fundamentally fundamentally changed how I think about and do business um, as same for, you know, good to great, but just super well-written books. So yeah, there's one, there's another one I'm reading now. It's called scaling, uh, scaling people. And mm-hmm. it's the COO of, um, a former COO of Stripe and, okay. her, and basically taking Stripe from, from being a small startup to being where they are today. A lot of the practices and, and sort of the establishing of founding documents, establishing of values, and all, all the way down to how you do performance reviews. So, I found that to be really helpful. Um, currently, as we're, we're we're doing all of that here. Cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool, Ben. I appreciate you. I think thanks for your time. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, let's say uh, they want to, um, you know, work with Freight Plus, they want to work for you at freight plus how do they get in touch with you uh, how do they find you yeah i think linkedin is, is the best way uh ben grave uh on, on linkedin you can maybe put in the show notes adrian um and then if, if you, if you want a, a, a deeper dive into what freight plus is encourage everyone to go to freightplus.io our website um and if we want to work together fill, you know fill out a uh, contact us form and, and our, our team will be in touch Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks again for your time. Obviously, we'll hope the best for your uh, for your uh, your Harvard football team this year. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk again sometime soon. Thanks. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Recruiting Stories podcast. If you haven't yet, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Check us out on LinkedIn. Adrian Chapman and Cover 3 Consulting is our company page. Also, check out our website, www.cov3consulting.com. Again, thanks for joining us, and we just simply want to remind you that you can change the world by putting people in a position where they can do the most good, and you do that by recruiting. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.